Shaq, let's just say that a uh, snake bit your mom right up here, right in the chest area. Would you be willing to suck the venom out to win the title? No, but I will with your wife. Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, is Kevin McLernan. Kev, we finally did it. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. It's unbelievable, man. I did two weeks, and I still don't think it has completely sunk in to me that they, they're, they're Super Bowl champions. I'm with you, man. I think the whole city of Philadelphia is still in a complete state of shock. Uh, you know, a lot of the players are still posting about it. A lot of them are in shock. And I know that the great thing about this team that we have is they all really embraced the fact that it was the first one for the city. Yeah, I mean, we we were both at the parade, too. And I mean, you would think that it would sink in then, but, uh, I mean, it was great uh, being at the parade and seeing the whole city basically celebrate uh, the first championship for the Eagles. Right, yeah, it just, going into the season, though, I felt like we were good. Wentz was still, he's still early in his career. We didn't really know. He only played one season, and then we had all those injuries, and then obviously the big one with Wentz, and I thought, you know, maybe he can win one game, but... I, I I could not see this coming, man. Not this year. I thought maybe next year, year after, but not this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I told myself that Nick Foles was good when the uh, when Wentz went down. Um, I don't know if that was just confidence in Foles or just trying to trick myself into thinking they could still win. Uh, but, I mean, Nick Foles did it. Yeah, I was doing a lot of the same thing, trying to say, well, you know, he did really well with Chip Kelly. Maybe it's just Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff looked bad under Jeff Fisher as well and then looked great this year. So I, I had my so fingers... Case Keenum. Right, Case I forgot Case Keenum as well. So uh, that was that was my line of thinking. Maybe it was just Jeff Fisher who made him bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable season. And just that, even after the NFC Championship game, I mean, I was in shock just watching that game and just a complete beatdown of, of one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Vikings. And then, uh, I mean, no, no defense showing up in the Super Bowl for either team. <laughs> That was the bizarrest thing. Uh, we, we punted once early in the game. I don't think they punted at all. And, um, you know, we just needed one turnover in that game, and it came at the in, in the biggest moment. Um, you know, so it was just just surreal, like we said. And I, I don't know when it will fully set in, but uh, it's just an amazing feeling. Yeah, I mean, the great part about this team is they're young, and, I mean, they still have Wentz on a cheap deal for now for his rookie deal. Jay Jai is only 24 years old. Corey Clements, a rookie. Uh, they have Alshon locked down. I mean, this team is is set up for the future, too. Yeah, that was the thing going into it. Even after we lost Wentz, I thought, you know what? Maybe this isn't our year, but going forward, we have a great team. And now it's amazing to be Super Bowl champions and say, this team is really young. Like you said, a lot of guys are locked up. And, you know, it's going to you going forward the next five, six years, we're going to be almost as good as anybody, I would think. And I listened to, to some of the analysts and talking about after and they said what what do the eagles need to do in the offseason and i mean cornerback is the, the position they were talking about but people forget that Sidney 
Jones is a second round pick, probably would have been a first round pick if he wasn't hurt. And they have him coming back next year. Right. I mean, Darby wasn't in for a lot of the season as well. He's a pretty good corner with those two guys. I, I think that'll be uh, good enough to get the job done. I, I guess it might still be our weak spot. Um, I'd like to see them get somebody uh, behind Malcolm Jenkins that we can look forward to the future. Cause he's, he's the only guy really that I'd say is one of our key players. That's kind of old. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I mean, I think Pat, Patrick Robinson's probably going to be gone. Uh, he, he was a good nickelback this year, but they won't be able to afford him next year with the contract he'll get. But still, uh, a, a lot of optimism looking forward. Yeah, it looks like we might lose Trey Burton as well. Um, but I, I think we your, can. Your boy. Yeah, my boy. Uh, yeah, but um, I, I think we can withstand those two things. And then Peters is getting older, but Vitae looked pretty good this year, did he not? I mean, he struggled when he came in, but I mean, as he went on, I, there was—I mean, they got no pressure. The Patriots got no pressure in the, in the Super Bowl. And Nick Foles was able to stand back there as long as he wanted, and that means that Vitae did a good job. Yeah, I guess you still want to get some more players in there, um, just in case Vitae doesn't doesn't work out. But uh, th- that's really all the positions they're looking to fill right now, and it's just. <sighs> We have to be in the best position of any team in the league. Obviously, the Patriots are always going to be great, but as far as trying to fill holes, I, mean, I would think we have the least amount in the league, wouldn't you? I, yeah, I would agree. And, I mean, we might be a little biased, but, I mean, of if course. you're bringing all these people back, um, and considering how many people they lost during the season, you said Peters, uh, Wentz, I mean, uh, Sproles was the big-time uh, returner, too. He would have played third downs. Right. Um, Sproles probably won't be coming back, but, I mean, Bringing all those guys back to defending champs is huge. Yeah, and the special teams was, was solid this year. Even though we lost our kicker, it looks like we found a great young kicker for the future, hopefully. And we also are missing our best special teams cover guy, Maragos. Um, maybe people won't don't think that's a big deal, but he is really good. He makes a lot of big plays for us. Um, so getting him back will be key as well. But yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say other than, you know, we're in shock and awe and the, the future is bright. And I mean... It's it's amazing that they lost both play callers, uh, or I mean, like on both sides of the ball, because Hicks was out too. The middle linebacker is the one who calls the plays, and Wentz on offense. It was just just a miraculous year, man. Yeah, Hicks is, is such a great player. I I've totally we totally skipped over him. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Getting him back uh, makes the defense better. Obviously, he's the leader there with Jenkins, but he you know he's the signal caller, as you said. So yeah, I mean. I have tons of optimism, but I, I'm just trying to bask in this one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure sure we could just keep talking about the Eagles the whole time, but uh, uh, so we move on to the first half of the NBA season. Uh, and man, it's it's been interesting, and the, the Sixers are in playoff position right now. Yeah, and uh, the way that the East standings are working out, they're only, uh, they're really close to being the four seed. And uh, the way they've been playing lately, uh, the way that Sarge is shooting the ball, Obviously, Ben and JoJo have been great all year, um, and and our buddy just sent a statistic showing how Embiid is. I think was was he all three of the top duos defensively so far? Yeah, number one was him and Simmons. Then it was him and Redick, which surprised me. And then him and Covington uh, were three. Yeah, I would guess him and Simmons and, and him and Rocco. But I'm with you. The Redick thing, that's unbelievable. I. I remember when Reddick came in the league, he really struggled on that end of the floor, and it, it hurt him getting playing time. And he got a lot better over his career. I just I, that that still shocks me. Yeah, and then I think uh, him and uh, Embiid and Dario were number six, but they didn't have that listed. So 
But yeah, I mean, and B's been ridiculous on the defensive end and he's finally playing back to backs. <laughs> yeah. He's playing all the minutes, playing the back to backs. I mean, you know, it's amazing that Philadelphia fans still, after all that we waited through, can't just appreciate that there's still way too much focus as far as I'm concerned on Markel Fultz. We're 30 and 25. I just looked it up. We're two games, uh, two and a half. If we wanted to overtake the wizards for the four seed, I don't know what else you want right now. And we had to wait for all other rookies. I, I don't know why there's so much focus on that. I mean, I've, in the last couple of days, I've seen videos of him and the shot looks better, but I mean, just imagine if they can get him back, um, and have another shooting guard, um, to play offside, uh, of Simmons, because I mean, Reddick's really the only one that is able to shoot outside right now. Justin Anderson has been getting a little better, but yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously it would help a whole lot to have that. And I have confidence that he can get it fixed. It's going to take a long time. Even when he comes back, I'm sure it won't be where it needs to be. Um, but yeah, and, and Reddick's getting older, obviously. So looking towards the future, you want to have him. I just, I have, I guess, a lot of patience for it just because, you know, we've waited before and it's, it's really worked out. But I mean, we can't ask for much more than what this team has been doing. Um, like I said, could easily end up in a four or five seed this season, which is just fantastic. Um, well on their way to, to making the over on the Vegas at 30 and 25. Uh, and then we had three guys in the, what do they call that? The rising stars challenge. Yeah, Rising Stars. Yeah, to have Sarge, Simmons, and Embiid there, and then have Embiid be an all-star. And arguably, Simmons got robbed. What do you think about that? So I, I think, the, I mean, the Kemba doesn't bother me. The fact that four East players got in over him is pretty bad, but I think Kemba kind of deserved to be there. The Dragic one bothered me. It felt like they just wanted to put a Miami player in because Miami was in fourth place at the time, and now they're all all the way down to eighth, so it seems ridiculous that Dragic got in over Simmons. Yeah, especially because, like we've been saying, I mean, the difference right now between four and eight is, it uh, looks like three and a half games, so I mean, that's an easy swing over a, you know, a two-week period. But yeah, I, I agree, it must have been because of that, because uh, Simmons is, that's not even a comparison. Uh, yeah, I agree, Kemba probably deserved to get in before him, but it was the number of players I get in, and especially like you mentioned with Dragic, it's just a little frustrating. I thought it was funny, too, that uh, I think Draymond first said it that uh, Jalen Brown should have been an All Star, which is hilarious to me. And then Jalen Brown, like him and Simmons, both tweeted when Drummond uh, was announced, and I was I, I just didn't know where that was coming from that Jalen Brown should have been an All Star. I mean, he's he's the third, arguably not even the he's probably the fourth best player on his team. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I guess just because the Celtics are forty and nineteen, um, I. I don't know. Uh, Kyrie and Al Horford seems plenty from that team. He's a good young player. Don't get me wrong. He's playing well, but I'm with you. I don't I don't know how he would be in consideration, um, especially nowhere near before Ben. Uh, that That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, two teams that we probably wouldn't have guessed were at the top of the standings come all-star time. The Rockets are leading the West. Uh, have They have one less loss than the Warriors do. And then Toronto is taking over the East, uh, Boston was in the lead the whole time, has, has fell back recently. Yeah, Toronto's the real surprise. I, I, Golden State, the thing is that they have 14 losses at this point. So I think it's more surprising that Golden State's in second than Houston in first. And I think a lot of that has to do with Golden State, frankly, getting bored. Uh, Steve Kerr said they were tired. Maybe. I, I think it's more boredom. 
Um, and then, yeah, I think the surprise is really that. And then with the Raptors being the one seed, because Boston's 40 and 19, you couldn't ask for much more uh, at this point in the season from them. So for, for Toronto to be 41 and 16, that's, that's truly amazing. Yeah, 24 and four at home, uh, which looks like it's the best home record in the NBA. Uh, so they're really taking advantage of that home court. We the North. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean Cleveland has got to be the biggest surprise to me. Uh, down to 34 and 22. I mean, I know they've had their injuries, but uh, I, I just they they should not be 34 and 22 and six and a half games back in the East. Yeah, it looked like at some point uh, LeBron realized uh, this is not going to get it done. And I, I don't think that means in terms of a title, but I think it really started to be, I don't know if he was confident they could win the Eastern Conference Finals without some heroicism from him. And I know it, in his age, he's not trying to do all that uh, if he doesn't have to. So it, it looked like he even kind of quit towards the end there to try to force the GM to make some moves. Because from what I understand from reports, he kind of got some of his power taken away at the beginning of the season. Who's that, LeBron? Yeah, because it seemed like he was in conversations and they really leaned on him to make a lot of decisions. And supposedly from different uh, sources, I I can't remember who, I think Howard and someone he had on and then a couple other ESPN sources were saying that some of the power he had had been taken away and he wasn't in the same meetings he used to be in. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I, I mean they, they always have those people ranked the MVPs right now. And they have LeBron in the top three, which I just think is ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to argue that LeBron's not the best player in the NBA still, but to having having him in MVP talks right now, it's just not deserving. Yeah, I totally agree, especially with the way he played uh, coming to the All Star break. Again, I think it was strategic on his part, but that's out. Of, that doesn't matter if you're playing not 100 percent and you're not playing uh, up to your standard. Then it's disrespectful, really, to the other players who come in night in and night out and and play, you know, their heart out. I think James Harden really should be in the lead here. Yeah, I mean, with Houston, uh, with the best record in the NBA, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, Giannis, I mean, you, you kind of have to say the same thing uh, with LeBron. I mean, his team's way too far back than they should be, in my opinion. Uh, nine games back of Toronto. Um, but in two weeks, I mean, Milwaukee could easily jump up to the three seed. That's how close everybody is right there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's averaging 27.8 and 10.4 rebounds. At PER is 28.91 right now. Uh, like I said, I think in a you know, past podcast, it looks like he's going to be the next face of the league. When is that going to happen? Uh, I wouldn't say as soon as next year, but maybe the year after. This guy is absolutely unbelievable. You know, 6'11", 7-foot-ish, can handle the ball. Uh, his stroke is coming in a little bit. I think it's only going to get better as, as time passes on. Uh, and when it does, he's going to be totally unstoppable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just seeing some of the highlights uh, of what he's doing and what he does uh, on a regular basis and just so casual, uh, it's really amazing to watch. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen him, you just got to go out and check out some of the dunks he's made, like you were talking about, we send back and forth to each other. Some of the dunks, you see the where he get, catches the ball in alley-oops or where he has it or where he jumps from. I just don't understand how he, how he's able to finish those. I mean, he is just so tall and so long. He does things that I don't think anyone else in the league could do. It would be kind of cool to see him in a dunk contest. Uh, I know you didn't catch it, but it was it was uh, unexciting, so you, you really didn't miss anything there. But 
I, I saw the highlight of Nance doing the exact same dunk as, as dad did in the first one. So uh, that's not that creative of a, of a dunk if it was in the first dunk, uh, dunk contest ever. Yeah, then uh, we have uh, a repeat of a Vince Carter dunk. I just, there wasn't a lot of creativity, but hopefully, um, you know, Zach Levine and, and Aaron Gordon were hurt this year. Uh, so, uh, and Levine didn't have his legs back enough. He didn't feel comfortable. So hopefully we get those two guys back next year. Uh, I don't know what they could do to top that showdown, but anything close to that I'll take. Uh, but anyway, getting back to, to the MVP conversation, I'm just looking at James Harden's numbers, 31.3 points per game, nine assists, five rebounds, PERs over 30. He's just playing out of his mind. Yeah, that's, those are some pretty good numbers. And when him and Chris Paul are in the lineup together, they've, they have a ridiculous record. Um, and another guy that, I mean, if, if people are going to talk about LeBron being in the conversation and Giannis, I think Victor Oladipo honestly has, if Indiana can keep up what they're doing, he has a good case to be in that top five for MVP. Yeah, no doubt about it. They're 33 and 25 right now. I don't know how many people saw that coming. Uh, I, I did call that he was going to average a lot of points, but I, I didn't think that he would be able to turn the team around like he did. Obviously, I mean... It takes other players and coaching and stuff, but I mean, he's really the leader there and he's taking a huge step. Um, I, I would say he's got to be leading candidate for most improved, right? Yeah, I, I always get confused with that award, but yeah, it has. I mean, averaging 24.4 points, I mean, he has to be at the top of that list. Yeah, I, I would I would think so. Uh, I'm not really sure who else has made a big jump, but uh, you know, he's an all star this year. I mean, I don't know how many people even really knew about him um, coming into this season. If you don't follow the NBA that closely, uh, you probably never heard of him. And now he's, you know, one of the top scorers in the league. So he's he's really making a name for himself right now. So the Pacers under over was 30 and a half for the year. Wow. <laughs> and sadly, you went under. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. That's embarrassing. But I mean, you did say 25 points per game for Oladipo. I said 22 and a half. So uh, I mean, right in the middle there, close to yours. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, and I mean, some of these are pretty bad actually. But I guess, we'll, we'll wait to go over uh, our predictions uh, <laughs> uh, for the end of the year to make us look bad at the end. Okay, sounds good. Uh, one other team that uh, I was surprised. I mean, I thought they would have a little more trouble adjusting with Jimmy Butler, but the, the Wolves look pretty good, man. Yeah, finally. Uh, we've, we've talked about them a lot in this podcast and how disappointing they've been. And we were both saying maybe this is the, the year they can get it turned around. Uh, Butler, yeah, those guys are playing really great. 36-25 uh, and 25, uh, could easily be the three seed. They're actually uh, no games behind the Spurs for the three seed. Um, not going to get the one or two, but that would be a huge dump for them to get the three seed this year. Yeah, and I mean those. I think we're gonna see some good uh, series in the West in the first couple of rounds because I mean Oklahoma City is looking pretty good. Uh, the Nuggets are an interesting team depending on who they they get to be matched up with, and then hopefully Kawhi comes back for the Spurs too. Yeah, do you do you know what's up with his uh, his status? Do you know if he's coming back soon or? I mean, I thought he was supposed no, to be I back don't. by now, wasn't he? I did. I thought so too, but it's just, it's a really weird situation that we haven't seen any turmoil in San Antonio before. And it looks like something is happening with him and the team. Uh, it's really strange uh, what's going on and how nobody's really talking about it, considering he's Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. It's... But you think he's boring, so. 
No, I don't personally think he's boring. I think that when people watch the NBA, he's one of the more boring players. Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot of flashy things. A big part of his game, why he's so great, is his defense. He's not, uh, you know, he doesn't do crazy dunks. Uh, you know, he's just, he plays in the Spurs, which is not really a flashy type offense. He's just, like I said, I mean, I think he sells probably a lot of jerseys, but he's just not, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think most people find him very exciting. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just the San Antonio way, I guess. I mean, Tim Duncan could be considered boring also. Right. I mean, I don't think Timmy was boring either. But, uh, you know, if you're just a basketball fan and you like the dunking and the, the pa- an NBA fan, you like the dunking and the passing and the and the shooting deep threes like Steph and all that stuff, then, you know, Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs are not for you. I mean, a lot of the Spurs finals had low ratings because of that. You don't like elbow bank shots from Tim Duncan? That's not exciting to you? I Listen, I said I like it, man. That's fundamental <laughs> basketball. I mean, his nickname was the big fundamental. Uh, I like that stuff. I like the full range, man. I, I love the, the throwdowns and the, and the step-back threes. Also, I can appreciate all that stuff. But I'm just saying the average casual fan I don't think is, is that thrilled by that kind of stuff. Well, one guy that is pretty flashy with those dunks is Blake Griffin. Um I don't think we've talked about this trade at all. And I mean, Pistons are going all in. Uh, they got two big guys trying the uh, Pelicans way uh, with the two big guys. Uh, who do you think, or what did you make of that trade, really? Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange from the Pistons' perspective because it, it puts them in playoff contention, uh, but it doesn't really make them a contender for the East. I won't say championship contender because no one really is, in my opinion, against the Warriors. Um, but it doesn't even put them in contention for the East. I mean, it makes them more exciting. Uh, as far as the Clippers, obviously they're trying to rebuild, uh, and, and that move probably helps them in, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was strange. They might make the playoffs now, the Pistons, though. Yeah, I mean, they're one and a half games out of the A spot. Um, it's, I mean, the East is all from nine to three, really. I mean, the Cavs, they're probably going to just keep moving up. So, really, four to nine are all pretty tight. Uh, so it'll be interesting how those two kind of work together, Drummond and and Blake. Uh, but Blake, I guess, has developed a little bit of an outside jumper now. Yeah, I mean, he over his career, he became a, a better dribbler, and he's a pretty good passer. I mean, he's as good as a passer as maybe any big man in the league. Uh, so, you know, for him to be able to handle the rock for them if they need it uh, is great, too. And that, that helps with the whole dynamic between him and Drummond because— they don't have to get in the way of each other all the time. I think that's what was working with the Pelicans as well. Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins can both step outside, so they don't have to be inside all the time. And I think that's what makes that work. And honestly, I think this is a good route to go to try to combat a team like the Warriors instead of trying to play their game, try to force them to play yours. Yeah, and then just, I mean, that Clippers team is just kind of strange to me now because, I mean, do you think they sign Avery Bradley long-term? Uh, I, I don't know. That's such a good question. Because um, they just signed Lou to an extension. I mean, they play the same position. Yeah, I, it's hard to tell what they're doing. I thought it was them restructuring to try to move forward towards the future. Um, when Ballmer bought the team, I thought, you know, they're going to try to go for it and go for it hard and fast. But I, I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. I mean, do you have any idea what they're trying to do? I don't. I mean, just looking at that team, you got Gallinari, you got Lou Williams, Avery Bradley, and DeAndre Jordan was involved in so many uh, trade talks. 
Uh, it's just <laughs> uh, Patrick Beverly's there. Um, I mean, they, they basically traded away two of their stars and got a bunch of crap in return. I don't want to say crap, but <laughs> a bunch of stuff in return that I don't know what they're going to do with. Yeah, when they made the Chris Paul trade, it seemed like they were going to try to make it work with Blake and DeAndre and a lot of role players, which I didn't think was totally insane. But now they got rid of Blake, like you said, it just looks like they don't know what they're doing unless they're trying to rebuild. Um, but yeah, I, I, my assumption is that they were trying to get rid of DeAndre and just couldn't get the right price for him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rumors about uh, him going to Cleveland. I, th- I think Cleveland did a fine job uh, at the trade deadline. Ridiculous overhaul for what they what they needed to do um, if they wanted to do something extreme. Um, I, th- I think Cleveland's much better than they were two weeks ago. Uh, it's it's talked about a lot. Don't get me wrong, but what their GM did is unbelievable and obviously they've only played I think one game together maybe two um they've looked really good so far but it forgetting about that part of it they gave away very little compared to what they got in return and and it's just very impressive I I would like to hear how the the trade uh trading Wade to Miami went it's Pretty much, I, I just get the feeling that they were just trying to give him away. Miami's like, oh, yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, I mean, to bring Wade back, I mean, he's probably going to retire soon, I would think. He's really uh, not who he used to be anymore. Um, you know, and that, that's what happens. But to, to, he looks really happy to be back. And those guys, a lot of those guys had been there before when he was there. Uh, I guess it was just two years ago. Um, so, you know, the city, it's good for the city and, and ticket sales. And all that stuff, and it's it's a it's a nice story. It's a feel good story. Yeah, I mean that'd be cool to see him make the playoffs another time in Miami. Um, not if the Sixers don't make it. I don't want them to make it. But uh, just I mean that team going forward, they have some interesting pieces. I mean Whiteside's a pretty good big man who jumps when he takes free free throws. So that's strange to me. <laughs> um, but just going through some of the other teams in the East. Stop me if this team isn't tanking. You got the Knicks, because Kristaps is gone for the year. The Bulls, the Magic, and the Hawks are all tanking, right? Uh, I would say, yeah. I, I didn't include the Nets, because the Nets have no incentive to tank. Uh, Cleveland, they held on to that first-round pick for the Nets, which is, I mean, amazing for what they got in return and didn't have to give up that pick at all. Yeah, that I was going to mention. That. I, I skipped over it. That that's the the craziest part. You would have assumed if you get that big of a haul for what you give up, that you had to have given up that pick at some point as a part of some three or four team trade. Um, but somehow they got away with with everything that they did. I mean, they got rid of Isaiah Thomas, who looked awful. Channing Frye was useless. Uh, you know, D Rose and and D Wade, who were just too old. And they got a lot of young guys. Uh, George Hill's still youngish. Rodney Hood, uh, Larry Nance, and Jordan Clarkson, obviously very young. And I think that youth and energy is going to help a lot, even if those guys are not on on a certain night. Um, you know, to have that youth and the energy that that's the biggest thing to me. They got a lot younger. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought they basically stole Nance and Clarkson from uh, L.A. I, I know they were trying to get rid of them. LA's just banking on getting a free agent. I mean, they were chanting uh, something to Paul George last night, right? Because they, they wanted him to come in free agency. Yeah, I think it was something like, we want Paul, and 
and Russell Westbrook was present, and I think it would have been during while Westbrook was, was talking, and he said uh, he's not going anywhere. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. That I think that is definitely Lakers' plan. I mean, Magic Johnson is not really uh, trying to hide that either. Uh, he, he's being very straightforward. So this, this, this year's offseason free agency is going to be crazy. Well, I mean, the Lakers have already been fined twice for tampering. Right. Yeah, I, the tampering thing is kind of weird. I guess complimenting another player is inappropriate. I, I guess I could kind of see that, um, but I, I honestly, I have to admit, I, I didn't really think you could get fined for just saying that somebody's a great player. Yeah, and I, I love how I've heard a couple like rumors that Lakers fans think it's a conspiracy uh, against the Lakers. Like everybody doesn't want uh, them to get a free agent. I was like, no, your franchise is a mess and free agents don't want to play for you. I mean, the Lakers aren't the Lakers anymore, what they used to be. Right, exactly. I mean, a couple stars, if they can get them, uh, obviously could change that very quickly. But they're not attractive right now. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I thought them acquiring Isaiah, I guess that was just to take place Alonzo temporarily. But, you know, when, when Lonzo comes back, I think that's going to create a little bit of an issue, don't you? Yeah, I think any team Isaiah is on is going to be a problem. I mean, the, the only reason it worked in Boston was because nobody else could score. They, they gave the ball to Thomas and said score. Like, uh, I mean, when you go to the other teams, Lonzo needs the ball in his hands to, to make plays. I mean, you can't just stand around um, and watch Isaiah, which apparently with that stat, what was that stat you said, that he's the worst defensive player in the last 25 years? Yeah, I think it was the last 20 or 25 seasons they've ranked everyone that's probably played a number of a certain number of possessions, and he is actually dead last of anyone who qualifies for that statistic in defense. So, yeah, ridiculous. Well, I mean, I hope that this trade doesn't work out for the Lakers since we uh, can get their pick if it's uh, the first one overall, um, which would be ideal for us. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is we... The other thing too is I think in this in the free agent sweepstakes I, I think we're going to be looking for one person and um, I don't know who who that would be obviously LeBron would be amazing or possibly somebody else but we're going to be competing with LA that'll be one of the teams we're competing with and the worse they look the better for us obviously in in that trying to lure somebody to come to Philadelphia instead of LA. Yeah, I mean watching the Sixers play right now I mean they're fun to watch and you could. Just imagine that free agents would want to play with Simmons and Embiid. Yeah, I heard uh, you know an analyst saying that this this timing doesn't work for LeBron, and maybe he wants to wait a year to see uh, how the Lakers look and how the Sixers look a year from now um, to see how it works out. I don't think he's going to have the luxury to be able to do that. Um, if I'm him, I, I gotta make a decision, and you're going to have to make a gamble. He's going to sign a short contract anyway, so he could always jump ship again if he wanted to, but. Like you said, the way the Sixers look, uh, it's looking pretty good. I mean, obviously we're biased, but you see, uh, Simmons posted something. I think it was on Instagram. Uh, it was like him, uh, Tristan Thompson, and LeBron, and I forget who was the fourth one in the picture. Um, and then he captioned it with like something about June thirtieth. <laughs> Uh, implying that he's going to recruit LeBron to the Sixers. Yeah, it did seem that way, which I, I absolutely love that. Um, I, I really love uh, when it's positive on social media with the players interacting with fans and um, and stuff and just making things very interesting. I mean, there's this whole, 
there's a Twitter account that I follow that just basically just revels in all like the the smack talk that goes on in social media and it, all this subtle stuff of liking certain posts. I know that uh, when the Celtics and Cavs played after the uh, Isaiah trade and Kyrie uh, crossed up LeBron and hit a baseline jumper and the uh, NBA Instagram posted it and Isaiah Thomas liked it. So it's just little stuff like that. Uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's it's actually good this year that it seems like the players, I mean, not that they're getting like fist fights or anything, but it, it seems like there's actual not hatred. I can't think of the right word, but Animosity? on the court, they're like not getting along with each other. It's getting a little testy out there. Yeah, the only negative thing, and it looks like the, the players and the referees are going to work this out. They've they've already met. It's just getting a little too much between the refs and the players. And I mean, this was going to come to a head eventually. I mean, every year it seems like there's more and more. Uh, talking obviously Draymond is is way way out of control uh, on this but other players as well are getting out of control and it seems like the refs are starting to push back and what you're doing is you're just kind of changing the game in a negative way but I agree with you I mean I love the pushing and shoving uh, I don't know if you saw Blake Griffin throwing the ball at Dennis Schroeder's head and pretending like he was trying to throw it to the ref did you see that <laughs> no I didn't see that at all the ref had his hands out and Dennis Schroeder was walking in between the two and Blake Griffin, I mean, come on, he's an all-star. Like we just mentioned his passing skills earlier. And he tosses the ball, but just short enough where it hit Dennis Schroeder in the head. And it's just something <sighs> simple, but I just love that stuff to try to tick each other off. And it just makes it even more fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the the players, I mean, is when's Draymond going to get suspended? Because, I mean, I think he's like two technicals away, which at some point he's going to have to get suspended before the playoffs. That way it, he doesn't have to worry about that during the playoffs, but I, I think he's going to have to get two more technicals before the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's such a ridiculous thing that you, you're getting so many technicals that you have to actually calculate to getting more technicals or having the right amount in the technicals. So you don't risk getting suspended, uh, you know, when you're in the playoffs. Um, but you know, I, I get that his antics are a part of his game and you know, they, they're supposed to, uh, you know, make other people upset or whatever, but it, it's just a little too much in my opinion at this point, and it, it could come back to bite bite their team. It already did in the finals once, uh, a lot of people would argue. Have you seen uh, Kevin Hart as this new, I, I think it's on just on YouTube, and he does uh, like interviews with players and while wow, they're taking ice baths? Uh, I did catch a glimpse of that. I forget which one I got a preview of, but yeah, I did see that. It looked pretty cool. <laughs> He, he did one with Draymond, and he started off the interview. He, he's asked him if he's kicked anybody in the balls lately. <laughs> and what did Draymond say? He just stared at him. It was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's weird, too, because like, Draymond seems like uh, a pretty reasonable person in other aspects. Uh, you know, he he's pretty calculated with his smack talk. Um, you know, like I said, he's just trying to get under people's skin. That's a part of his game, and I get that. So it's weird for me to see him so out of control and disrespectful of the refs. That's the part that bothers me. It's one thing to get heated in a moment and say something, but to constantly berate officials uh, is just unacceptable. I mean, LeBron complains a lot, but it's the berating and the disrespect that really bothers me. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what changes they make. Um, I know there's a couple of changes that Silver talked about with the, the playoffs. Do you want to talk about that first, or do you want to talk about All-Star Weekend? Uh, let's save that for last. Yeah, let's just real quick with the All Star Game itself. I just, uh, 
You know, I always look forward to All-Star Saturday night. Uh, I think the skills competition is fun. The bigs versus the smalls is cool, a cool concept. Um, I thought Embiid had a chance, but uh, he, he didn't quite make it. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, you know, he's just a talented big man. But, uh, yeah, and then you have the three-point dunk contest, of course, are great. But the All-Star game, it, it hasn't been good in the past five or so years. And I was just wondering, I mean, I think they should do something. Don't you? For the game itself? Yeah, to try to change the game, make it more competitive in some way. I don't know. Do something. I, I heard a really cool idea about making it like a three-on-three tournament. And uh, like the winners uh, get a lot of money towards uh, their charities or something like that. I think they're doing charities this year though, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Because I, th- I think the winning team, uh, I may, it may just be Steph's and LeBron's charities, but... Uh, it would be cool if all the players uh, got to pick a charity. Yeah, that I, I like that incentive. That makes a lot of sense, especially if they can make it something worthwhile. Uh, then the players would be fighting a little bit harder for it. But that was what I was going to say. I believe the NHL switched to that um, two or three seasons ago, maybe longer now. They switched to a three-on—I don't know if it's three-on-three, but they switched to a tournament-style uh, thing. I don't know if it's worked out better for them. I, I'm not, I don't follow the NHL too too closely. But I think the three-on-three tournament with money on the line, uh, even though the basketball would still be not as good, would still be better than whatever this is that they do now. Yeah, I mean, last year, I mean, it's getting gradually worse. Because, uh, I mean, nobody wants to get hurt, so therefore they don't play defense. But, I mean, it's it just wasn't entertaining. I mean, it's not fun just watching guys go up and down the court jack up threes. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is I was watching Kyrie. He was on, uh, I want to say, Jimmy Kimmel the other night, and he was saying, you know, he cares about certain matchups and he doesn't want to get embarrassed. That gave me the idea that, I don't know if they would do an entire one-on-one tournament, but playing a little one-on-one, I think, would force guys to play a little bit harder as well, and it'd be really cool for to watch for fans uh, because, you know, one-on-one, you know, you get beat to the rack or you get crossed up, that's embarrassing, and players don't want that to happen, so that would force a little bit of defense as well. Um, so that, that could be something they do, maybe even as a separate competition. But uh, whatever they decide, it, it's got to change. I know that. Yeah, I mean, did you like the change that it's not necessarily East versus West this year? Yeah, I did. Uh, I think that if they're going to do that, then they should sh- just throw away the whole All-Stars coming from the East and the West um, because it's unfair. Um, there might be better players in the West, so let them come in. Just let let the fans vote on it. Or whatever you want to, have, whatever system you want, but don't force it into East and West, and then have them do a draft. I don't think that makes sense. Oh, and also, though, televise the draft and don't do it so early. I mean, LeBron lost four players on his team. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could even do it that night, or like as a part of All Star Saturday night, or something, um, to do it right before like they have to practice because they only practice like one time, and it's half-hearted anyway. Uh, that would have been, yeah. I agree, because that would have been really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, and even LeBron and Steph wanted it to be televised. They're like, we're grown men. We can all handle it. And then it even came out that uh, Aldridge and Horford were the last two picks, I think. Yeah, I would assume Horford was. And Aldridge, I guess, kind of makes sense as well. Durant, I think, at some point was claiming that he was picked second. But, I mean, who knows if he's just making that up or he actually was. Um, I just... It would have been cool. I mean, LeBron did pick Kyrie at some point. It would have been interesting to see where he did. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that whole thing would have been interesting. I mean, if the, it would have been cool if they did it like out the playground, like the guys are all standing there and then they come over and they, they stand with each other as they get picked, that kind of thing. I just, I, I, it would be entertaining. I know the NHL, the way they do it, they, cause they televise it and the guy who gets picked last, like gets a car or something. Oh, wow. See, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They could do something like that. Or like we were talking about earlier, money to charity, anything like that, um, to make it less awkward or embarrassing. But I mean, Hey, at the end of the day, you're an all-star. You're not the last kid on the playground. You're still an NBA all-star. So yeah, that's what Aldridge said. Aldridge's like, yeah, I know my game's not flashy. I'm not surprised I was picked last, but Hey, we're all here. <laughs> right. So. Right. All right. But so, going back to that. Yeah. The East versus West thing. I mean, talk about the playoffs or yeah, the, what silver talked about. Yeah. So it seems like silver and I really like him as a commissioner. I know I've said that before. He seems open to, you know, he was open to legalization of gambling. He seems to be open to a lot of other things. I think he's doing an amazing job as the leader. In this new playoff format, he said um, he's open to the idea of just letting it be the best 16 teams or taking eight from the East, eight from the West, and then mixing the seeds based on record. See, I, I just, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. I mean, because in the NBA, what are the chances that the 16th seed is actually going to do anything anyway? None. I, my thing is, I think it's good. This year is not as lopsided, but in the past we've had really bad years where we'll talk at the end of the year about, about the, the playoffs and we're like, oh, the East is so bad, you know, whatever. The East is still not as good as the West, but in those years, a mixed format would be a little bit better because it gives fan bases that deserve, that could get, they could get two or three round wins that probably would lose in the first round if they had to play in the West only, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it would also mean that, for example, the Rockets won't have to necessarily go through the Warriors every year. Right. I, I hadn't thought about that. Also, that's that's true. Right. They could. That that's what makes it really interesting. If the Rockets and the Warriors are the two best teams, and they're the one and two seed, they I guess they could end up playing each other in the finals. Yeah. Or even if they're, even if it's the third team. Yeah, he doesn't have to be one and two because the third right. seed would be on the opposite side too. Right. Right. I yeah. I was just. I was just saying if they're one and two because they are the best two and then the end. But yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I hadn't really thought about that all the way through. Um, my thing is, if you're going to mix it, uh, I don't know if you're going to, I don't know if it's okay to do eight and eight. You might just have to take the best records. My other thing is this. I think, and I've been saying this for a while, I, I want them to do away with the divisions and the conferences. I don't think it makes any sense. I know that there's a money issue. I just don't believe in today's day and age. They can't, they, I believe there's technology out there to keep it about the same amount of expense and be able to just play a pretty even schedule across the entire board and then take the best 16 teams. Well, yeah, I mean, the divisions are useless now. I mean, they used to be, I guess it was about four or five years ago now, where they had to get a top four seed, right? Mm -hmm. And they changed that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, yeah. But if, if, if they go back to no, if they go to no conferences, they should they got to change the scheduling because obviously you would want to play everybody the same amount. That would be the only way it's fair. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, the, the way it is right now, you have the divisions and they all play the same, but I think outside of that, I don't know that they all play the same teams, the same amount of times. Am I wrong about that? Well, you, at, at a conference, you play each team once home and once away. And how that's, about within that's conference the only time outside? It's always equal. What about outside a conference? I mean, outside a division inside a conference. 
I don't know. Okay, yeah. So I agree. I mean, they, they could just maybe restructure the, the schedule. Um, maybe every team plays twice. I mean, that would probably be the only way to really do that, and that would be a much shorter schedule. So I don't know if they'd really be interested in doing that. Um, it, it might be a little unfair in the regular season schedule, but the way it is right now, even though you have divisions, the divisions don't mean anything. So the schedule right now is kind of fair, unfair because if one team's in a better division versus a, a, a weaker division, um, that's kind of unfair in and of itself as well. So there's no way to ever make it completely fair. Um, but, uh, it, it would be weird to have conferences and then a non-conference playoff to me. So here's how they do it. Four games against the other four division opponents and four games against six out of division conference opponents, three games against the remaining four conference teams, and then two games against opposing conference teams. Okay, so the only discrepancy there is there's a, a little difference between how many games you play of in-conference, out-of-division games, correct? Correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you play six teams four times and three teams, or four teams three times. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. like I said, there you still have a little discrepancy. And then with the weight of the divisions that don't matter, there's some dis- there's some unfairness there. Like I said, you can't make it 100% fair, but I just think it's silly to have a, a non-conference-based playoff bracket and then have conference-based scheduling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they could just do every team three times, right? Yeah, but I think You're at- it, it's twenty. that would be like 29 by 3, which is close to 90 games. Yeah, it's 87 games, so you're only adding five to the season. That's a good point. Yeah, I guess they could do that. Try to uh, lengthen the season even more. I know the players want to do that already. They already did that a little bit, um, but maybe they do it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's totally feasible. I, I think that's something that they should they should look at. And I mean, this way, you're really guaranteed to get the best two teams, especially this year, like we said. Maybe the Rockets and Warriors are better than everyone else. I the way that Cleveland's playing, they're not near the Rockets, and I don't, I don't believe for a second the Raptors or Celtics are as good as the Rockets. Do you? Oh no. Yeah. So and, I mean, if I'm picking one team to beat the Warriors, it's the Rockets. Not just because they're the second best team, but because they can get hot for four games out of seven games to win. Right. I mean, they have an unguardable player in in James Harden who can drop fifty at, at, at a moment's notice, and you have Chris Paul. Who is, is can just you know make uh, great plays and like you said the shooting from the three point line is the key there, but and I agree matchup wise that's the team I would pick. But outside of that, this year I would say that even if the Rockets weren't playing as well as they are right now, but this year I'd say the way that those two teams are playing, if the Warriors are not in the NBA, they're just eliminated, they're ineligible. I'd still pick the Rockets to win it all right now. You would pick the Rockets to win it all if the Warriors were not in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say, we're talking all about this, but I guarantee that if we had to pick the finals right now, we would both pick the Warriors over the Cavs, right? Like, we'd pick that finals. With with a a non-conference, like mixing the conferences for the playoffs? No, no. Right now, like, the way it's currently. Oh, yeah. No, no, for sure. Our prediction would be the Warriors versus the Cavs, even though they're both struggling a little. Right, no, no doubt about it. I mean, the Warriors are going to turn it on when they need to, and I'm assuming that LeBron will get you know the the team where it needs to be uh, when they need to be there. But um, yeah, I just don't think that Cleveland would be able to beat Houston or Golden State whenever they ran into them. Um, and I would assume that the way those two teams are playing, they would be one and two. So 
uh, wherever Cleveland ended up, they'd end up having to go through one of those two teams. And I just don't wouldn't see them making it this season is all I'm saying. Where's Jay Crowder at? Is he the Kings or the Jazz? One of those? I uh, just had this up. Uh, he ended up yeah. with uh, the Jazz. Him and Derrick Rose okay. went to the Jazz. Oh, uh, yeah. I still haven't fully caught up on all the trades since it was the same day as the parade. <laughs> like yeah. The next day I was like, holy crap. This a lot happened yesterday that was outside of the parade. Yeah, I was getting some of the alerts, um, especially with the Cavs trades, and I, I early in the morning, and I couldn't believe it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it, it was unbelievable how how much happened there. I mean, the league has has changed a lot just in the past couple weeks. I mean, with the trade deadline, and then the obviously the Demarcus Cousins injury. I mean, the Pelicans were playing really well. I'm not saying that they were competing for. The Western Conference, but I don't. They might not make the playoffs uh, now. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I mean, the Clippers making those trades, I guess, makes the Clippers worse. I don't. I don't even know. I would. I would but, assume. So that's the team. I mean, it's the Pel- Pelicans, Nuggets, Blazers, Thunder are right there too. Uh, Clippers and Jazz, like they're all within two and a half games of each other. Yeah, I would assume that the, the, it gives the Jazz a better shot at getting in also. But uh, it's a shame because when I look at you know the East, uh, you have seven, eight really solid teams, maybe nine with Detroit. They're solid after the trade, I would say. In the West, there's really only eight teams. And um, now with the Pelicans losing Cousins, it's really only seven. So whatever team gets in their eight seed is probably going to lose in four games, and they may not get within 15 points in any of them. Yeah, and the bottom of the West, man, it's it's pretty dire down there. Grizzlies, Kings, Mavs, and Suns, all like eighteen and forty. Uh, who do you think wins the, uh, the tank contest? I don't know. I mean, the Nets are nineteen and forty, but they're un- they're disincentivized, like you said. Magic are eighteen and thirty nine. Hawks are eighteen and forty one. Grizzlies eighteen thirty eight. Kings eighteen thirty nine. Mavs eighteen forty. Suns eighteen forty one. There are six teams. With 18 wins and one with 19. So, uh, and then the Bulls, obviously, they have 20. So they're all within like two and a half, three games of each other, which is completely insane. I don't know if it's been like this close uh, anytime recently that I can think of. Uh, no, it hasn't. Um, but these are all like higher than like, the worst teams recently. Because, uh, I mean, obviously, the Sixers had that really bad season. Um, and then the the Timberwolves, I think, had like 15 wins one year. Uh, so all these teams are are higher than that, at least. Yeah, I don't know what that says. I don't know if that's because they have a lot of games against each other or the rest of the league is yeah. not crazy strong. Um, I, I'm not really sure, but that is true. I mean, for the lowest win total at the break to be 18, it's probably been a while since that was the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think the one year the Sixers had 19 wins and they had like the third pick or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, these teams seem pretty bad, but they're not as bad as, as we've seen recently. And, uh, I mean, some of these teams are really, they don't even have that much of a future. Cause I mean, the Grizzlies are really, um, I mean, they've invested so much money in Gasol and Conley and Conley's after the year, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And then, I mean, the Magic have had a bunch of top five picks and just haven't hit on any of them. Um, Aaron Gordon looks pretty good. Uh, but Hazonia, uh, we'll see what Isaac turns out to be. I mean, we didn't expect him to be 
uh, an impact player right away. Um, Alfred Payton was a 10th pick overall, and they traded him to Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, obviously Dallas is in bad shape. Dirk's probably going to retire, I would imagine, this year. And then I was surprised the Grizzlies held on to, to Gasol and Conley. Uh, I don't know why they did that. I don't know if anybody wants to pay them mm. <laughs> the, the contracts they have right now. Yeah, definitely not Conley. I guess Gasol, he, he definitely is overpaid, I, I agree, but uh, he's still a pretty good player. Um, he, he could do a lot off the bench uh, for somebody. I don't know if he would go to a team that's in, in contention and... and uh, and start, but um, I don't know. It just seems like a disservice to Gasol and Conley at this point. Uh, they probably couldn't have got rid of Conley, but I, I imagine someone would have taken Gasol. I mean, for picks or something. I don't know. Uh, you got a bold prediction for the second half of the year? A bold prediction for the second half of the year. Um, I think the Sixers, I don't know how bold this is. I, th- I do think the Sixers will end up with the four seed. And I think the Cavs will end up with the two seed. Uh, I think the Raptors will collapse. I see Boston staying on the same track. And Cleveland's only looks four and a half behind them. So that maybe they could catch them and get the one seed. Um, so, yeah, I would say Cleveland goes up to two. Toronto ends up, that would put Toronto at three and then the Sixers at four. I don't know how bold any of that is, but that's all I can think of right now. What about you? I think the Knicks have the worst record in the NBA. Wow. What makes you say I that? I mean, they're, they're 23 and 36. Mm-hmm. Porzingis is out. They've lost eight straight. Um, <laughs> I just don't think they have a lot going for them. And uh, they have their own pick. A lot of incentive uh, to get another player to add to Frank and Kristaps uh, with the future. Yeah, I mean, with Kristaps out, obviously, that helps, uh, I mean, tremendously. Um, they're only, looks like five ish games back, um, of, of being in last place in the NBA. Uh, it's just such a heated race right now, like we were talking about. Uh, but yeah, adding them into the mix of what we just discussed, those seven teams, uh, with, or eight teams with 18, between 18 and 20 wins. So it might be nine, a nine team race at the bottom. And, and to think that that is the case just a couple years after, all the complaints about the Sixers tanking uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's tanking might go to a, a new level at the end of this year if all those teams are that close. Because I mean, if if you're a couple games from the first pick and you're you have the eighth pick or in eighth position, uh, teams are gonna gonna start tanking. Yeah, harder than they already are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, get rid of any asset that you're not going to want for the future. Um, and that helps, you know, you bring younger players in from the G League, and, and that just helps you tank. Um, you know, just follow the Sixers model. I mean, we did it in, in an incredible way, um, better than maybe anyone ever. Uh, I don't know how many teams had tried to do it at the extent that we did before. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a tale of almost two halves of the league, you know, the people trying to compete and then the people not, but there's a lot of people not trying to compete. And it, it sort of lends to, they're going to have probably going to have to do something about that. Uh, I said some drastic stuff before, like maybe playing some kind of weird playoff at the end of the season for that, or they're, they're going to have to do something. I don't know what that would be. Well, they did change, uh, 
the percentages. They changed the lottery for next year, yeah. yeah. Not this year, next year. Yeah, and I don't know how much that really does. I don't think it does much. I don't know if it does anything um, as far as disincentivizing. I mean, the thing you could do is, you know, reverse it the other way, saying that the nine seeds would get, uh, basically saying you re-rank the teams that don't make the playoffs from top to bottom and do the, the draft that way. But as you said before, uh, you know, if teams are really bad, they, they might need that pick to recover, and maybe they could never recover if they don't get it. So that's the other thing to consider, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, doesn't help that we we're talking about all these teams and the Lakers and the Nets are the only ones that don't have their pick down there. So those will be the two teams uh, most likely moving up in the standings. Not to the playoffs, but at least not going to be in the bottom five. Yeah, the Nets, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, he won, uh, what did he win? The skills competition, I want to say? Yeah, yeah, he won skills. Yeah, and um, that was big for him, for his brand, and uh, I think some analysts were joking that that was the Nets championship for the season. Uh, that was their <laughs> one moment that was going to be good because, like you said, they have a bad team and no incentive to lose, so there's nothing really to look forward to for a while. But we we've, we said this a couple of years ago that they were in the worst shape and it was going to last a long time, but at least they got their skills competition champion out of it. <laughs> and for, I mean, I know it's a new GM that didn't make that trade, um, so he's doing all that he can. Uh, I think he's doing a, a pretty good job of getting assets and getting draft picks and all that uh, to try to rebuild the team. Yeah, I mean... He, we talked about that before. I think he, he's the, the right person for the job, it seems, as so far. Um, yeah, I mean, if I don't know how many Nets fans are, exist, but for all those Nets fans out there, it's going to be a couple years. But if you look at the Sixers, maybe you can hope that your GM is, is hinky-like and can make the right moves to put you in position four or five years from now. Because, I mean, that's how long it took us. But, I mean, it seems to be have been worth the wait. How long do you think... Uh, Henke will ever get a job again in the NBA? Uh, yeah, I just I don't know if he'd ever want another one. I think that's the bigger question. I think somebody would definitely offer him a job, especially if you're trying to tank. I think only if you're trying to tank. Uh, I, I think someone would hire him. I just don't know if he would want to do that again. Yeah, I mean, he received enough criticism one time, probably for a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, he's still receiving criticism from some analysts. I don't know how that would be the case. Um, and it's just flabbergasting to me. I said that at the time he told the Sixers, he told everyone, the fans, he was completely transparent. This is going to take a long time. This is the exact plan. He followed that exactly and to almost perfection and still ended up fired and being hated. So that if I'm him, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to do this ever again. Well, I mean, at least Brian Clangelo came in and He's done everything he said he would do, right? He's going to be clear with the fans. <laughs> and we know exactly what's going on with Markel Fultz, so he's been pretty transparent about that. It's it's really frustrating. Uh, I mean, I feel like the journalists uh, that are going uh, to film Markel are really like these secret agents going in to try to get information <laughs> to the fans as best they can because, you know, the whole Sixers organization is on some kind of lockdown. Um but yeah, I mean, the whole Colangelo thing really upsets me. But hey, we're in a great position. Hopefully, Fultz gets his stroke back and, you know, we'll be good going forward, especially if LeBron comes. <laughs> they have enough pieces that it would be hard to, for Colangelo to mess it up at this point. You would think. You, you would think. 
and and I mean, hopefully we get a good uh, good All Star game tonight. Uh, should be hopefully more entertaining than it has been, and we'll see how their their no, new format, and new teams work out. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the, with the draft uh, having players from different conferences play together, LeBron and Kyrie on the same team is always interesting, and I'm sure some players from the same teams going up against each other uh, will be fun too. So I'm looking forward to that. KD and, and KD and Westbrook on the same team too. Yeah, that's true. I saw a picture of them in the locker room, and people were making jokes that Westbrook was looking at him like he didn't know who he was. It does kind of look like that, but um. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that's all interesting stuff. So hopefully we get a little better of a game, and hopefully the second half of the season's as good as the first half was. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. I think this is going to be. You, you mentioned the West. I think the East will be pretty competitive as well. So I, I think this would be one of the best playoffs in a while. I think we know what the results going to be, but I think the earlier rounds will be more fun than in in previous years. Yeah, I agree, and I hope so. And. Uh... I say we just end every new podcast with just saying that the Eagles are world are world champions. I love that. The Eagles are world champions. <laughs> and uh, this has been the mid-season edition of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Uh, I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me was Kevin McLernan. And uh, thanks for listening.